Hello, I'm Rachel. And I'm Suzanne. This is the Bonfire Podcast, where we make your work life better by telling you what HR or your parents won't. It's a new season of the show. I'm so excited. So excited. We're going to do this differently, though. We are, in this new season, going to answer one question for each episode. And today's question is, how do I get comfortable saying, uh, I don't know at work? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that was really good, Suzanne. <laughs> I think we can stop right. That was so good. So yeah, we're going to get to that. And then at the end, we're going to share a few of the times that Rachel and I have actually said, I don't know. And what we should have said instead. There are so many juicy little tidbits in here. Let's just start, Rach, by saying why this is actually problematic at work. Why is saying I don't know a problem? I don't think saying I don't know is a problem. I think the problem is the culture of needing to know always when, of course, not knowing is the path to innovation. It's the path to creativity. It's it's a huge part of team building. Well, but here's the thing, Rage. I think that there's a time when you say, I don't know, that I, or someone says, I don't know to me when I've asked a question that I actually find very annoying. Like if somebody's leaving a problem in my lap, which we'll talk about, but you're right. I think we've gotten to a point where we've developed this bizarre culture where knowledge is everywhere, right? It's a commodity. And yet we expect answers that are right or wrong and have lost all sense of nuance. And therefore, I don't know, Rach, we, we, we've got to teach people a new way to think. So I think that we have to divide two things here. One is the experience inside yourself of actually not knowing, that moment when you don't know. And the other is what you do about that. So let's really dig into this. Let's divide it into three because I've always been taught that they're, it's better and people sound smarter when they divide things into three. So there are three types of I don't know. Okay, I'll take one form of I don't know Great, that I've used a lot. It's a way of turning a question you're being asked that you don't know how to answer into a question that you can answer. I'll give you an example from just home life, right? Your child says to you, mom, are we going to be done with dinner at seven? You're in the middle of cooking. You don't know how long it's going to take to eat. Like, I can't answer that question. So you say, so are you asking whether you can go out later after dinner and whether you're going to have time to do that? That may or may not be what they're asking, but at least you've turned it into something that you want to really address. So someone asks you a question, and you have that internal feeling of like, I, I can't answer that question. So you come back to them and you say, so is what you're really asking this? And then you've posed it in a way that you can answer and it can be adjacent to the question that they were asking. It can be slightly different. And then then you can actually answer that question. And I, I think our experiences is that nine times out of 10, the person sitting across from you will say, yes, 
that is actually the conversation I was yeah. trying to have with you. Yeah, I like that. So the second one is you actually don't know, but you realize you should know. So the question being asked is one that you are stumped by, and, and maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's a friend, and they've asked you a question that is good and honest, and rather than just saying with down shoulders and rolled in like, oh, I don't know, which, by the way, puts the problem back on the person's lap, you lose all your power and authority and you leave it open to the possibility that the person sitting next to you knows or is going to be a go-getter and go go find out. You say, you know what? It's a great question. I don't know, but I'm going to find out and get back to you and, and give a time frame. Let me find out. I'm going to get back to you and be realistic. It could be, you know, in an hour at four o'clock today. Can you give me till tonight? Can I come back in the morning? And that's empowering both to you and the next person. Then there's a third. So here's the third that occurs to me, which is someone asks you a question and nobody knows the answer to this. And you happen to know that it's like, it's such a good question and you realize nobody knows this yet. Okay. So this is an opportunity. You've asked me something valid. It's not something that I should know immediately and I, you know, it's something that nobody knows. So you basically say, wow, that is so important, and I don't think we all know that, and therefore, I'm going to need some time to think about that, right? It's almost don't too important a question to be answered right now. Right, exactly. And if we answered it right now, we'd give the wrong answer. What I am positive occurs in this moment is you've kept the power in your hands even though you didn't know the answer because you didn't say, you didn't let somebody else in the room give a a lesser answer to a beautiful question that's been asked. Okay, if you're going to say, I really need to think about it, you're, you're subliminally or actually kind of explicitly taking responsibility for something. Yeah. So you need yes. to put an action against it. You need to say, here's the process that I'm going to undertake to investigate this, because it's not just, I need to go find the answer. I'm going to get some people together. We're going to do some data on this and blah, blah, blah. So describe the process by which you're going to launch this investigation and the time frame by which it will be over. You can say, in our next all-hands meeting, I will bring an update because I will have a lot more to say about this then. And it calms people down immediately. Yeah. Wow. That was a lot. There was there were some big moments I just took away. I mean mostly from myself and the things that I said. Um but I feel like there were definitely Rachel some like holy shit moments in there. I'm full of holy shit. So when you said that not every question is a good question. Mm-hmm. The important part of that relative to this thing of saying, like, I don't know, is that you really don't have to validate every single question you're asked. And also, I would say, I think that the real problem when we are asked questions is we seize because our ego gets like on high alert, like a little dog up on its hind legs going, oh, 
uh-oh, and instead let the question sink all the way down to the bottom of the well so that you can ask yourself, is that the right question? Do I know it? And if not, do I know where I can find out? And does anybody know it? Okay, I like that. Now, we promised at the top of the show, Rach, that we were going to share some dirty uh, truths. I, I have one. You want me to start? it? Okay, I'm sent in by my then boss, Jeff Jacobs, to meet in the first months of my executive director role at a new foundation. Uh, well, it was a not-for-profit organization, but to go meet with a very important funder. And I knew she was important. I had come off of six years running Teach for America. I had 80 people reporting to me across all of the regions. Of course, I was 27 and very, very experienced in the world um, of work. And I'm sitting across from her at her very large desk, and she's talking about giving us a grant, which at the time I think was $100,000, which was a lot of money then, right? It's a lot of money now. And she was going through our documents and she said, um, so do you have a recent audit? <laughs> I didn't know what an audit was. I didn't know what, it, I mean, again, I had worked as the program director at Teach for America. Like, I didn't know what an audit was. And what I should have said was, um, I'm new. I don't know all that has taken place before me. Can you give me a list of anything that you'd like to see from the organization? I'm going to have to go talk to Jeff and our board and find out everything that took place before I got here. And then I will get it to you. Yes. I said. Yes. What did you say? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what's an audit? Oh, God. Oh, God. Suzanne. <laughs> it was just such a horrifying moment. If I had just slowed down the moment, as you just described before, and sort of let the question sink in, I would have had the wherewithal to understand that she was asking a bigger question about our fiduciary responsibility, about whether this organization was an actual stand-up organization. And, and I would have understood that there was something bigger in play here, and, and I would have slowed it down. I just was too anxious. So there you go. Well, that's a good one, and I'm squirming for you. Okay, this is one where inflection is everything. So I was running a program that was giving away money to nonprofits, and I had created a program for small publishers across the country, and I was giving away, I don't know, like $18 million. It was a lot, okay? So I'd spent like two years building this program, and this was where I was going to the board and saying, I want your approval to spend this money to give away to these organizations. And this guy, who was the CEO of Ford Motor Company at the time, said to me, so is, <laughs> is the purpose to increase revenue or to increase profitability? Okay. And I basically did not know the difference between profitability and revenue. At the time nice. in my nice. life. Okay. I love it. So yeah. I really didn't know. So it would have been bad to say, I don't know. That's for sure. So I'd like you to workshop mm. with me what I should have said, mm. because what I did say yeah, didn't go over too well. I yeah. went, what did you say? 
just like this. I went, um, both? (laughs) (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) Okay, well, didn't inspire confidence. I will say, up speak is never the way to go. No, no. Um, (laughs) Up speak and also the both and is probably not the way to go. Oh, my God. I I think, you know what I would have done, honestly, in that moment? being your that age and being that insecure i would have picked the one i understood the most which is probably yeah. like revenue yeah right yeah. i would have just gone you know what we're going for revenue here yeah it's at this point at, you know i thought yeah. about that and yeah. i think at this point we're really having to focus on revenue yeah because, that's what i would have done and i gotta go, <laughs> i gotta go now i gotta go. yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah well, so that's me fourth. i have another meeting yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have really dropped some wisdom here. So mm-hmm. I think we need to do what we tend to do on the show and close out with more wisdom and check it out. Check, 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 check this out. As our listeners know all too well, my favorite topic to make recommendations for, which I guess would lead you to believe that nothing I've recommended up till now <laughs> is works. You know I have issues with sleep. If I were to tell you that I've been sleeping through the night, would you believe me? No, because I haven't. What the hell? Okay. So GEM, G-E-M, they have a whole bunch of other, there are these natural nuggets, like little natural square nuggets. Forget the other ones. But their evening one, which has a magnesium, chicory root, and a bunch of things, it's a little unattractive, dark brown (laughs) square that looks like poop. (laughs) You just eat it right before bed. It's a game changer. Sleep right through the night. Just one? Just one half hour before bed. With water? Chew it? What do you do? Just chew it. It's not a suppository. Chew it. You know what? Why don't you take it that way? And, <laughs> and then we can we'll compare. See. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And actually, I definitely need that lately. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So mine is very different. It is not something you consume. It is something you use upon your face to improve your eyesight. And here's what it is. They're called Thin Optics. If you go to this company, Thin optics. They have all kinds of different frames, but they all magnetically fit inside this little thin frame. And it is a complete game changer. Are they reading reading glasses? They're reading glasses, but you can get them in different prescriptions. I have like seven of them, and one of them broke over the years. That was it. And by the way, if they do break for free, you send them, they send them right back, a, a brand new pair. And they come in different shapes. I mean, you can get anything red, you know. Hmm. But um, anyway, it's really nice. Thin optics. Run, don't walk. Love. Okay. So, okay. Well, this has been um, quite a treat. And look, if you want more questions like this answered, you need to go to bonfirewomen.com, which is the company that we founded that is a talent development accelerator for women. And check it out. Check that out. Because you will learn what we're up to over there. And we answer questions like this all day long. All day long. So come learn about Bonfire Women. And, um, you know, there's more of this to come. And our next episode coming up 
is going to be another fascinating question, Rachel, and is one that I think we've actually mastered in ways that will be frightening to people because we have and annoying. Yep. yep. And annoying. And in our next episode, we're going to be answering the question, how do I get people to listen to me in a meeting? I cannot tell you how often that question comes up and we finally have the answer for it. Yeah, we have the answer for it. So we'll see you. um, We will see you through Rachel's thin glasses on the next podcast. This podcast is produced by Jen Bain and mixed, edited, and scored by Ryan Derringer at Welterweight Sound.